It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go on there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. The program presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football giants. Multiple ways you can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. You can follow each and every one of us directly. I'm at Lance Meadow, one word, last name, M-E-D-O-W. He is at Giants, W-F-A-N. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of the show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So this is the Friday edition of BBKL. However, technically, it's a Thursday in Giants land. It is a football Thursday. will be a Friday, yes. That's what we call it. It's a football Thursday, but it's really Friday. Correct. So there will be no complete injury report that will be released later today because you get in the habit on a Friday, you know, who's in, who's out, who's questionable. That's not going to happen until tomorrow because Brian Dable right. will speak, will still be speaking to the media on Saturday. So a bit unusual, but that's what happens when you play on Monday night. And this is a very intriguing game, Paul, and that's why I really want to delve into it because, yes, the Giants are mathematically still in the thick of things, but I want to look at it more from the Packers' standpoint. There's a Green Bay team that has turned its season around they're 6-6. Six and six. Jordan Love is playing the best football of his young career. Yeah. He's got eight touchdowns, no interceptions in the last three games. Their defense has been stingy. It's hard to score points on this Packers team. They have been holding teams into that 24-point or lower barometer. So this is going to be another strong litmus test for the Giants, especially Tommy DeVito, because, Paul, what have we talked about during this two-game winning streak? They beat the Commanders, they beat the Patriots. Not to take anything away from them, but those are teams that have just as many question marks as the Giants, and you should handle your business. But now you're going up against a team that I think is far more balanced, far more talented, and also has a lot of strong play in the trenches that is going to test this Giants offensive line. I disagree with you. I don't think the Packers are nearly as good as you think they are. Well, I think they're better than the Patriots and the Commanders. That's true. And that's my point. That's true. <laughs> that was where I started. But but they so, are they are nothing more than a middle-of-the-pack, mediocre NFL team, which is okay. where the Giants should be had they not had all the injuries that they had. Uh, that's that's why the Packers are 6-6. Six and six. They are not of the level of the Cowboys or the Niners. Or no, and the I'm not putting teams, them there. Right? Sure. You know, when you yeah. look at the tiers, they're in that huge middle tier. The pool, a cesspool, and quicksand of mediocrity that I love to talk about all the time. That's what the Packers are. They're a mediocre football team. Uh, you talk about their six their six uh, losses. In five of their six losses, they have not scored more than 20 points. So let's be very clear about this. Yes, the defense has done a solid job. But they are 30th in the NFL against the run yeah. at over 135 yards a game. Okay, so you can absolutely run on them all day if you want to, uh, but that that depends on game flow, quite frankly, as to whether or not you will be able to be patient and run the ball all day. That's game flow. Uh, Offensively, as I just said, five of their six losses, 20 points or less. So they have games where their offense can't do a damn thing with the ball. Then they've had some other games where they have been able to. And in recent memory... 
Jordan Love, during this three-game winning streak, has not thrown an interception. And in each one of their three wins during this streak, they have scored more than 20 points. Sure. So they are on a bit of a roll per se. Correct. Yeah. But I'm not going to anoint them as anything more than a mediocre football no. team. Well, and I was not doing that. I was just I'm pointing sorry. out that. I thought you were. No, I was pointing out. Well, I did preface my comments by saying the Giants beat the Patriots and the Commanders and Tommy DeVito and company look good. But let's at That's least fair. take a step back and provide some context that Green Bay is up a notch. They're not the top tier, but okay. they're up a notch compared I, to who the I thought Giants you were going played. a little higher than no, that. No, not at all. I, we, we, but, see, we're good, folks. We're yeah, good. But I do think that Jordan Love, you were pointing the losses earlier in the season, and that's fine. But they have won four of their last five, mm-hmm. and they've been scoring more. And Love, I think it's fair to say, Paul, is a different quarterback right now than those games that you were referencing when they were struggling to score. Because those games, that was the Lions, the Raiders, the Broncos, the Vikings. They lost four in a row. They scored 20 points, 13, 17, and 10 respectively in those four losses. Now you're looking at four of the last five games. They've scored 20, 23, 29, 27. And I think part of that is Jordan Love being that much more comfortable Jordan Love, I was listening to Matt LaFleur's press conference. They said, you know, they're that much more confident in allowing him to make changes at the line of scrimmage now, Mm -hmm. where that is a great luxury for a play caller like LaFleur, where, you know, he's probably concerned, okay, I've got a quarterback, he's not Aaron Rodgers, I'm not going to expect him to maybe correct what is not an ideal play call initially. Now you send in the play call, Jordan Love assesses the situation and says, hey, we're going to have to change this up based on the defensive allotment. And he's doing that more effectively. So I'm not saying that the Packers are an offensive clinic, but I do think the offense that was part of that four-game losing streak is not the same offense that we're seeing out of the last few games. It may also not be the same offense with Christian Watson uh, nursing a hamstring injury that got injured with three minutes left against Kansas City the other night. Now, he did play during this recent stretch, but to your point, he got hurt against Kansas City and is a question mark right now entering the Giants. And and to be frank with you, yeah. Now, Dobbs does have seven touchdown catches. That's top five in the NFL. And he has six of them inside the red zone. I understand that. But... Watson is the guy during this winning streak who has really been important to their game. So is Jaden Reed, I would throw in Reed's there, Reed's done some nice things, yeah. too. I won't I won't say that. But Watson's still their top guy. He's, He's their, their number one guy. He's their vertical threat. Okay? Yeah. If he is not there, well, let's see how good Jordan Love looks without him. Let, let's just see. That's all I'm saying. Well, and Watson has been in and out of the lineup, in fairness, earlier this season, too. Right. So and those are the games where guy. the Packers' offense no, did not look very absolutely. good. Absolutely. And that's why, if he doesn't play, I think it definitely changes to your point whether or not Jordan Love could probably take some shots down the field. But they could very well get Aaron Jones back, which to me would be a significant boost to the backfield with A.J. Dillon. And I'll flip the script. The one guy that may be the most critical of all is if they get Jair Alexander back. Their top corner. He's missed the last four games with a shoulder injury. And while I think the guys up front is more of a question mark, because you were pointing out they're 30th against the run. Teams have had a field day. Isaiah Pacheco, if you go back to that Chiefs game, I mean, he was cutting them up left and right. Destroyed them. That was their Achilles heel. But this secondary, which has been a bit of a roller coaster because of injuries, has held its own. With that being said, if I'm Green Bay, I feel a lot better if Jair Alexander's in the lineup to go up against some of the young weapons for the Giants like a Jalen Hyatt as opposed to Corey Ballantyne, 
former sixth round pick for the Giants. Correct. And then who they, got away with a heck of an interference twice in the final moments of that correct. game? Well, I thought this is where I thought you were actually going to go initially <laughs> with Green Bay when you were sort of questioning their status was there's that play. Then there's the drop by Quentin Johnston right. against the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Herbert throws a beautiful ball, Paul. They may get a field goal and go to overtime. Couldn't do right? it any better than that. I mean, and then in the Lions game, which was a strong performance, Jared Goff had about, what, 50 fumbles in that game. Yes. Which completely changed See, now, position. I wasn't, I, since you now well, opened that door. I thought you were going to go there. I, you know why I wasn't going to go there? Because yeah. I thought you were going to say to me, well, it is what it is, no, and, well, it and is, you still, but, they still won the game. No, but I, I think that's I wasn't going to go there. It's, it's important well, to know. that you did. Well, no, they've won, but you could actually compliment them for that. They've won a lot of close games as of late. They're finding a way I would games. say that more teams have lost games than the Packers have won games. That would be my take on it. Okay. So, see, you, even though you didn't go there initially, we were going to get well, back to it. But you just no opened the what. door. Yeah. Well, I opened so the door. So I just but the bottom line was blew it wide you open. were going to wait till the end of the show, five minutes remaining in the show. You were not going to let this conversation end without you referencing what happened in those three minutes. At some point, it okay. was going to have to so, come so up. So I made it easier for you then, essentially, with what I'm doing. You just put it right there on a tee for Okay. Me. Well, I'm going to make it easier for you now again, okay? You're going to be all smart. They, they're simply an average, mediocre football team. That's all they are. Well, the reason I was This is a very beatable opponent, folks. There's no doubt about it that the Giants could very well be in this game and they could find a way to win. I'm not disputing that. Good. What my point was was the secondary. This is why Jair Alexander, though, changes things. He is a very good player. He's one of the best cover corners in the NFL. You have Corey Ballantyne and then you have Carrington Valentine. Apparently, they bring in corners based on rhyme scheme. Were you aware of that? <laughs> That's their mode of operation when it comes to choosing their corners. But the bottom line is you've got a rookie in Valentine. Valentine, we know, was a former practice squad player who now is getting an opportunity. And then you have Keyshawn Nixon, who is an outstanding special teamer, but he's probably their most polished secondary guy at this point, playing the nickel. So if you have those three against the Giants versus I now put Jair Alexander into the mix, it now takes Green Bay and Joe Barry's defense, and you don't have to play maybe a rookie corner in Valentine or Valentine as much because now you have Alexander mm-hmm. to assume a lot of those snaps. So that, to me, changes the conversation. Look, the best path to victory for the Giants is that Saquon Barkley has a big-time feature game. It is in a lot of these games. For the Giants, let's not kid ourselves. He is their best player. He is their top threat all around. In terms of being a headache player, he's one of he's that guy. And without Darren Waller in the lineup, okay, the Giants don't have another headache player. All right? It's just that simple. Maybe in the other year, Jalen Hyatt will be that guy. But right now, he's had one game that he had 100 yards in yep. you know, last time. Against and he Patriots. hasn't had more than six targets in a game, too. Right. Let's not forget. So, so yeah. I can't go there yet. Now, it's simple. The strategy has to be, in terms of the Giants' path to victory, is feature Barkley as much as possible in the game. Now, what you need to determine, if you're the Giants, as the game flow progresses, are you able to be patient with Barkley enough that even if the Packers overplay the run and say, well, we're not going to let Barkley beat us, we're going to put the ball in Tommy DeVito's hands. Which is what New England did, essentially. Okay. I mean, they took Barkley out of the game, other than maybe two runs. Exactly. Exactly. And Tommy made enough of throws to eke out a very close victory well, that required a missed field well. goal yes. with the defense complementing 
what the Giants did on offense. Yep. Now, defensively, I think the Giants can certainly hold their own against the Packers. I, I look at it and I say to myself, what you saw against New England is the kind of game that the Giants are going to want to have. If Barkley can't bust out on a few big runs and have a big day, you want the game flow to be like it was against New England, keep it close to the vest, and then if Tommy's got to hit a couple, well, then you know what, Tommy? This is part of your learning process. This is part of your development process. If you can hit a couple of plays against the Packers and it's on you to win the game, go do it. Go do it. Show us that you can continue to earn your reps and that you can continue to make your mark in the National Football League. If he can't, and if Barkley gets plugged up, the Packers will win the game. It's really that simple. Well, and if I'm Joe Barry, regardless of how rough your run defense is, I am saying to myself, I'm not letting Saquon damage this game. That's my number one priority. I want to put it in the hands of Tommy DeVito. It's a copycat league. I'd be surprised if they don't focus in on that. But I would say the biggest matchup of all is probably Rashawn Gary against Tyree Phillips because Gary lines up over the right tackle Correct. call. Gary is having a heck of a season. And remember, he tore his ACL in week nine last year. Mm -hmm. So he's just over a year removed. They've got other weapons like Preston Smith and Kenny Clark, but Gary is the one that stirs the pot. He's a game wrecker. We've seen it. You go back to that Lions game on Thanksgiving, he wrecked the game. Just ask Jared Goff. So while Barkley should be able to run on paper, what happens if they don't take care of the football protection-wise on the early downs, and you start getting into third and nines and third and tens, that's where a problem becomes for the See, Giants. that's why you so many, again, the spider web of the National Football League, that's why it's so important because what do the Giants need to do? Well, we talk about Barkley's got to be the guy. Well, fine. So Packers are going to stuff it early. Well, what do you do then? You throw it early. You throw it on first down. You throw it on second down. And even if you're just getting small chunks of yardage, to make it a second and two. Well, now you're in a good down situation where you got to keep the defense on its heels. Yeah. You see, don't just first down, hand to Barkley. Second down, hand to Barkley. Now it's third and long. Now you're playing into the Packers' hands, and you're letting Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary do what they want to do. You don't want that. You want to force them into a spot where they don't want to be. So you want to use more throwing on the early downs. They can be safe throws, but just make sure you're creating short downs and distances so that you then have the opportunity of the pass or the run. Keep them guessing, and now maybe Saquon Barkley will have the opportunity to gash them a little bit. That that's that's how it all works, and the only way that can happen for the Giants is if they've got good game flow. They get down, you know, by thirteen points. Guess what? That's out the door again. Well, you're gonna have to throw anyway if you're down by. That's 13. it. That's so, the point. Even yeah. if you're down by maybe ten, you might even. I'd still like to see them be patient. But if they're down by thirteen, you know, you know that game flow destroys the best chance to win philosophy. Now you got to chuck that playbook away, and now it's on Tommy DeVito. Now Tommy's just going to have to throw into the teeth of their secondary, knowing that their pass rushers are coming hard. Now, and that's not good. Now, you could still keep Barkley involved as a receiver. You don't have to abandon him. Yes, you that can. That could be an extension of the run game, even if they no are doubt. down early, Paul. No doubt. So it's not as if you're completely eliminating him from the equation. And 
I'm with you in terms of throwing the ball on first and second down. That's what I was alluding to. But that's contingent upon protecting Tommy DeVito and DeVito not holding on to the ball too long to take those sacks. Well, that's why those, the, early downs. Those, those early throws are not big strikes. Yeah, just dump it off. That's and, it. And get some, yeah. Those early throws are, hey, get me, get me six, seven yards. That's all. Go, go quick game. Well, even four yards is perfectly fine. Uh, I'd like a little more. I'd like a little more than that. Well, I'm saying you get second and six. Se- okay, second that. and six isn't bad. I'd like second and four. But, but greedy. But, but it's okay. I'm yes. a little greedy. Of Why course. not? What else is new? Why yes. not? But, but the point is, the point is, if you go to the quick game. Now, at some point, the Packers will understand that, and they'll try to jump you, okay? So what you need to make sure that you do with your quick game is that you're coming out of different formations so that they're not necessarily smelling quick game. This is where the schematics come in. This is why it's such a great game, folks. It's the greatest game on the planet. You can schematic certain things to look like you're doing X, Y, and Z, but you're actually doing L, M, and N. That's what you have to do if you're the Giants. This is really, Dable and Kafka, to me, they've got to be able to deceive with some of their motions and some of their formations and some of their personnel groupings, deceive the Packers into not cheating against the quick game. One other thing I want to bring up with respect to Jordan Love's play as of late, and this relates to Wink Martindale and his defense. Jordan Love this season, seven touchdowns, no interceptions against the Blitz. And what does Wink love to do? Yep. He loves to send the whole house. And Jordan just went up against another former Giants defensive coordinator in Steve Spagnuolo. Who did a lot of stuff. Who also likes to bring the whole house. And Jordan handled himself quite well. So that game of chess, Paul is going to be interesting because, once again, he's made good decisions. And normally, Jordan Love, a player with his experience, what I mean is, this is his first year as a starter. He sat. He got one start in place of Aaron Rodgers because Aaron missed the game due to COVID, if you remember, coincidentally, against Kansas City. And that game was not pretty. Third year is a pro. come a long way. Third year is a pro. So, normally you would think somebody with not as many reps would struggle against the Blitz. It's not the case for Jordan Love. Adoree Jackson mentioned this the other day in the locker room when he said it's obvious that he has sat and watched a lot of what Aaron Rodgers did yep. on tape. In fact, he was in the room with him, for God's sakes. Well, he was going over strategy with him. <laughs> for yeah. two years. Correct. And he said you could tell that you know he picked up some stuff off, off of Rodgers. See, where Kansas City got, got burned a little bit, and why Love, I think, was more effective against them than you would otherwise believe is that because Spags did a lot of disguising of certain packages that he was going to use with pre-snap uh, formations. And the bad news was, after the pre-snap disguising, uh, it wasn't disguised well enough. And so they were showing something. Love didn't bite. And then he was able to find the open receiver because he didn't get suckered into the pre-snap disguise. That, to me, is the biggest challenge. How well you doll it up. Yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest challenge. How well. I I think that's a little different than just saying love is great against the Blitz. Well, well but remember, I'm not just taking the Kansas City game. No, no, I understand that. I understand that. But see, yeah. if if... 
it's one thing, part of the whole blitz packages that the defensive coordinators love to use, part of that is the deception. Sure. You don't know what's coming, who's coming, when they're coming, and where they're coming from. Deception's a big part of a, of a defensive coordinator's blitz, but it's also the threat and the deception that takes on a chunk of that that um, that ferocity, if you will, or that the aura of what we're going to do to you. Wink, Wink doesn't deceive a whole lot. He pretty much tells you we're coming. Okay, <laughs> when we're there's a there's a, a coach Marvin would know this. I know he's not going to call us today in all likelihood. What they call when 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 guys show blitz at the line, they call that mugging. Okay, linebackers or DBs, they'll mug at the line. They look like they're coming on on the blitz. They look like they're about to to take off, and then they back out. Okay, New England did a lot of that last night against Trubisky. Right. Yeah. Belichick loves to do that. Okay. Now here's the thing. Wink isn't so much about that. What he's more about is, listen, we're coming out. They, the Giants are the second highest blitz percentage in the league behind the Vikings. Okay, Wink isn't isn't really concerned about disguising whether or not they are coming on the blitz. Wink is telling you, we're coming. Okay, now you can figure out who and where, but. I'm telling you, we're coming like a freight train. And and we're not going to do a lot of fake blitzing. Okay? So that part of the equation isn't, isn't involved here when you talk about Wink Martindale. That, in some regards, will be more difficult for Jordan Love to deal with. Because where he had the edge on Kansas City is that he was able to figure out their deception. Now, this is not so much a game of deception. Spags plays, plays more of a deception game than sure. Wink does. Yeah. Wink says, boom, 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 we're coming at you. That's a little bit different. Well, but I guess my point is, once again, that's not the only team that has blitzed Jordan Love this season. Not just oh, Kansas I, City. I, I have not looked at the other blitz numbers. Yeah. But it is it is a different style of blitz that Wink will provide compared, compared to what he to saw Spags. last week. Yeah, within the span of a week. But I'm talking about over the course of a season, Jordan Love has handled the blitz well, regardless of what form it's come. He, he certainly handled the deception a lot better than, than most young quarterbacks would. Yeah, and that is what I think has been impressive because even though he's in year three, you still get to a point where you haven't been out on the field. It's one thing to see it in the film room. And Aaron can walk you through it, Paul. Yeah. Then when they throw you out to the Wolves, all of a sudden, it's a completely different scenario. And he's handled himself quite well. So that's something I'm sure that Wink Martindale has picked up on film. And the Giants will prepare accordingly. And also, he's relying on a young receiving core. So this is a group where you want to test those guys. And you want to see how well they can handle perhaps the physicality at the line of scrimmage because they're going to need to make plays for their quarterback down the field. All right, a few reminders before we open up the phone lines here on Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. You can check out the Giants Huddle podcast, your favorite podcast platform, or you go to Giants.com slash podcasts. Giants fans, you can still get some single tickets for home games, and you can check that out at Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat. 
and the Giants official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV. It brings you original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV, it's free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. All right, let's open up the phone lines as we move forward here on Friday's edition of BBKL. Let's check in with Scott in New Mexico. Scott, what's happening? What do you got for us? Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Hi. All right. Uh, there were some interesting discussions this week in regards to how the Giants are going to draft and what free agency might look like, and I have an opinion. And uh, Paul made some interesting comments about getting a uh, pass rusher, and John made some interesting comments about concentrating on the offensive line. So for just what I'm going to talk about, I wanted to just talk about the run defense of the Giants. Right now, uh, not their overall defense, but just the rush defense, uh, the Giants are 28th in the league. They're averaging giving up 4.8 yards uh, carry, uh, and that's with Dexter Lawrence in the lineup, and I realize he's been injured, but that's in totality, uh, giving up 1,633 yards. I wanted to put your general manager's hats on for a second, if you could, and I'm a firm believer and always has been that you have to stop the run. Uh, if you can't stop the run, it makes everything else uh, somewhat impossible to deal with. And though Paul and John both made good arguments for offense, uh, I had two questions for you. One, the first being is if the Giants are reflective of the numbers I'm giving you, do they concentrate on trying to get more? I know Paul was interested in a pass rusher, but do they have to reconstitute that defensive line in some way? Because those statistics are not going to cut it even for next year. Uh, secondarily, on the offensive side, can they afford to take the chance that Evan Neal will develop into what they think, or do they have to, for their own sanity, I guess, draft an offensive tackle, not necessarily in the first round, maybe in the second round, since they'll have two draft choices in the second round, and, and firm up that line, because you both know if whatever quarterback you put back there, if he has no time to throw it or no time to develop a play, it doesn't matter anyways. So where is the concentration? Because, again, those run statistics, to me, are very relevant. And I want to get your opinion of what you think the Giants should do based on the numbers I just gave you, where they're tied with New England. Uh, I don't know if it's New England or someone else for the worst statistics rushing-wise. And I know, it may not be New England, maybe a different team. Well, the rushing again, defense, I have the numbers in front of me. They're not dead okay. last, but they're definitely near the bottom. They're tied with the Jets, and then ahead of those right. three are the Packers, the Cardinals, and the Broncos right now okay. in terms of right. the run defense. Yeah. So in terms of the run defense, I know, Paul, you're – big proponent of stopping the run also and mm -hmm. i and i kind of adhered with your belief although i respect john for saying yes we have to bolster the offensive line but when push comes to shove your defense has to be able to stop the run so i'll take this answer off the air but again putting on your general manager's hats for just a second what is viable so my question right, is do, can you afford not to draft an offensive tackle and hope that evan neal develops or should your priority be to bolster the defensive line so those statistics are not reflective next year? And I'll be glad to take your answers off. All right, Scott, guys. appreciate the phone call. You take the Evan Neal question, I'll take the defense. Well, I mean, I think we could weigh in on both as well. I would say this. 
whether or not you have full faith in Evan Neal, Tyree Phillips, we don't know what his future with the team is. I mean, you could argue you still can use a swing tackle on this team. So even if the guy doesn't start out as the starter, he could be the insurance policy slash a guy that you can turn to if somebody else doesn't deliver. So there's room to draft a tackle. I don't think that's a stretch. You don't necessarily have to do it in the first round, but if you want to use a th- top three pick, meaning second round, third round pick on an offensive tackle, I don't think that's a stretch at all based on the current structure of the roster because I'm also I'm looking at the depth chart, Paul. Even when you talk about McKeithen, you talk about Azudu, you know, those are guys that are not necessarily long-term plans towards edge tackle position. No, that's, so, that's not yeah. what they were brought here for. Yeah. The guy who was supposed to be that guy was Matthew Pert who unfortunately, because of injuries, uh, everything's been sidetracked on him, and consequently, you can't count on him. Yeah, well, and also, he's also on a contract that doesn't give him security, too, in terms of the future plans. So, so that's yeah. more of a reason why if I think they, If they wanted the to take a third tackle, tackle, I could understand that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you want to take the defense? Go ahead. Well, as far as the defense is concerned, I mean, it depends on who the player is, right? Because, you know, if you're talking about using a first-round pick on well, a run stopper... I don't think he's talking about necessarily picking a certain player. I think he's talking philosophically. Well, how do you feel? The Giants' run defense has gotten better this year than it was last year. You know, you mentioned uh, uh, Dexter Lawrence had gotten banged up a little bit and had been playing a little bit gimpy. Well, of course, Leonard Williams has been gone for several weeks now, too, and he was a big part of that. Uh, Bobby Okereke has had a sensational season. I think the Giants next year, you notice that Ashawn Robinson has been playing more in the last month. He started the last five games. He's he's okay. I, I, I think they'd like to see more out of him production-wise, but he, he's been okay. He was banged up. He had a, a bad lower leg injury that he was fighting through the entire training camp and really hindered his first half of the season. Jordan Riley, who they think very highly of, had a terrific camp and a really good preseason at defensive tackle, specifically as a run stopper. Now, now he has not gotten a jersey for a while. All right, he he saw very limited uh, snaps earlier this season. That's a kid who they've got a lot of high hopes for. So I would say to you, no. Uh, I think the Giants' rushing defense is better than it was last year. And in Wink's defense, yes, Always, you always talk about stopping the run first. But here's part of the problem. Game flow has been so bad for the Giants. Most often, teams have had leads on them. So they can run the ball. And then in the second half, they've got big leads on them. So they're piling up these rushing numbers that, in all honesty, they don't really reflect the appropriate game flow because the games are already warped in a different direction. So a lot of those numbers, Scott, they're 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 kind of they're shallow numbers. Don't put a lot of stock in them. The other thing you got to keep in mind is that Wink does believe a lot in what Belichick did to the Bills in Super Bowl Twenty Five. Wink does believe you can give up yardage, you can give up real estate. It's more what you do on third down and what you do in the red zone defensively. And that's where last year the Giants excelled. Remember, they had a statistically a terrible rushing defense last year. But they won nine games and made the playoffs. They cleaned it up in the red zone, yeah. Because red zone and third down. Those those are much more important statistics for Wink. Now, that goes against a lot of old school that says, 
well, you have to stop the run first. Wink will still tell you you have to stop the run and control the run. But for him, controlling the run means something different than it does for most people. Excuse me. Most people will say controlling the run means we have to hold them under three yards, under four yards of carry. Wink doesn't see it that way. When he says control the run, he's talking about situationally controlling the run, not necessarily making it a stat line at the end of the game. So I think once you understand the context of that, Scott, you'll understand that, yeah, you want to do something to help out this defense, the pass rusher is the priority. It's, it's They don't necessarily need to do a whole lot more to enhance their run stopping. Well, I don't think they're going to draft an interior defensive lineman who you take off the field on third down early in the draft just because he's a good run stopper. That's why I said it depends on the player. But if there's a pass rusher who's really good in stopping the run, that's beneficial for this defensive scheme. And I think those are the types of players that most defensive coordinators will always look for because then there's no question about whether or not you're going to pull them off the field. I will say this, though. There were a number of teams early in games that have had success in running the football against the Giants this season. Dallas comes to mind. Arizona ran the ball effectively. San Francisco, Miami. Josh Jacobs had a good game with the Raiders. So, I mean, right there, maybe that's not half. But it's close to half the Giants' opponents this season. It wasn't so much, Paul, I would argue, they jumped out to early leads and they ran the ball late. They jumped out to early leads because of their ability to run the football. Okay, now, again, you're you're talking about earlier in the year where Okereke, the first month of the season, wasn't the guy he is now. Bobby Okereke will tell you himself. He's more comfortable with this game. He was not comfortable. And he he is the heart and soul of, of the rush defense. And quite frankly, I think he's having a Pro Bowl level season. I really do. I think he's that good. Uh, so, so that's part of it right there. Uh, Micah McFadden has clearly developed sure. into a solid all-around linebacker now where first few weeks of the season he was still trying to feel his way. So you're two, two starting interior linebackers. Well, that's why I don't think they need to address the linebacker position. Well, yeah. but, that's, but, but that's what I'm saying. You know, there were reasons why the rush defense wasn't as as – up to standard earlier in the year, like you just pointed out. You can explain that away. That's that, To me, that's not an issue. Well, but, I mean, once again, you did have those guys healthy. You weren't necessarily taking them off the field. You could argue they were still getting used to it, but they were on the yeah. field, though, is my point. They were on the field, yeah. but they were they were not gelled at all. Even Wink just said the other – just told us this morning. Wink just told us this morning. The last two games, what you can really see now is this defense has gelled. It took a long time. It really did. I mean, they had a decent stretch earlier this year, too, in the middle of the season. But these last two weeks, this defense has really, really played well because not only have they they done a lot to help themselves uh, with takeaways, which, as you know, were few and far between in the first half of the season, yep. but, but they have also shown much more ability to get to the quarterback and create even more pressure by winning their one-on-one matchups. Well, and that's why I think this is going to be another good test because can the takeaways continue that we saw prior to the bye? Because the defense, let's not forget, when you're winning games 10-7, that's a big product of the guys on the opposite side to take pressure off of Tommy DeVito. So what happens if you don't get three takeaways and it's more of an even game? That, to me, puts more of the onus on the offense. You know what? I will say this. And it just goes to show you about how these players feel about DeVito in that locker room. He is, he is just a fresh-faced rookie who has come in here 
And he has given some fizz to this team. Okay? He's added some some fizz. Sure. And, you know, they're happy for him when when he makes a good play. They're happy for him when he throws a touchdown pass. Yeah. Is is he still making mistakes? He's a rookie. Of course he's going to make a bunch of mistakes. But I truly believe that right now, the way they played complimentary football in their last two victories, I, I truly believe that this team um, emotionally and fabric-wise is as together as they've been all season. I really believe that. Well, it's shown based on the results. They've been able to finish games. But, you know, as we talk about each and every week, when the opponent changes, the things you relied on, right, against the previous opponent don't always work the next time around. Well, but in terms of the last two games, there's no doubt about it. The defense has taken away the football. And what has the offense done? The offense took has advantage, scored off the table. Which is what and you that asked for. a big issue. This is this is this yeah. is this is one of Lance Meadows' primary rules. It's huge. You must take advantage of those things that the defense will give you. Yeah. And and they have done that. Yeah, I don't want to hear know. you take the ball away five times and you get a field goal. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. I want to hear you take the ball away five times and you score twenty points. I mean that's what I want to hear. And and you know, here's the thing too. <laughs> I have to say this. Special teams, you know, I get it, man. You know, Gray had his troubles as a rookie, but Chris Osefsky has been in the punt return game. I feel much better about the Giants' punt return game. I feel really good about the way Jamie Gillen is, is punting the football and McLeod's getting down there and Darnay Holmes is getting down there. Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown have been making some big-time tackles. Yep. Again, Coughlin got fined for the Patriots uh, game. Still don't know why. As You know, you, you look at the tape, it's as good a tackle as you can imagine. I mean... Special teams has really, you know, tried to give this team every opportunity not to lose those hidden yards. And when you're going up against offenses that are struggling like New England, the worst thing you could do is give them favorable field position. Right. So that's why that was big. It all goes back into the game flow again. Yeah. Complimentary football. And this week it's going to be Keyshawn Nixon, who's a dangerous He's good. return guy. He's oh, good. Yeah. yeah. He's he was good. a big reason why they had a great stretch last December to position themselves to play that meaningful game against the Lions to try to get into the playoffs. Yeah, this, right. is a, this is a guy, you cannot let him tilt the field on you. He has had several big plays since he was handed the primary job last season. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. we got Mike in Oakland joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Mike? What do you got for us? Hey, Lance. Hey, Paul. Good to talk to you. Hi. Uh, yeah, you know, I was really glad to hear you talking about Saquon's usage and his impact earlier because that's what I'm calling about. Um, I'm hoping to get your take on the difference between a uh, first read and a check down. Um, for me, you know, Saquon's best season, still his first season with Eli, who's known for his pre pre-snap intelligence. Yep. And I feel like with Eli, you know, he saw Saquon as his first read. If Saquon went into a pattern and his defendant didn't track him, bam, he hit him immediately. Saquon still had like six or seven yards of clear space where he could like beat the first tackler, make something happen. But, you know, since we lost Eli with Daniel and now with Tommy, what I see is I see him staring down the field and they use Barkley as like a dump off or a check down after, you know, their other reads, they go through all their other reads and after the space is closed down. So he's catching the ball with no room to operate. Yeah. And um, so I'm wondering if you see the same thing, you know, for me, that's a mistake. You, you know, you guys are pretty knowledgeable about the giants you keep saying, and I agree with you, Barkley is our best offensive weapon. And so, um, you know, that's what I want to see. If, if nobody tracks him, 
hit him with the ball, he'll get you 10 yards. He'll get you a first down and maybe a heck of a lot more. Is that how you guys see you know, it? You know what's interesting? I, I just pulled up Barkley's game by game because I happen to agree with what you've said, but I wanted to give you some numbers to kind of back it up. In the two games this year against Washington, average yards per target in those two games was over 10 yards in the first game and over 11 yards in the second game. In no other game this year has Barkley's average yards per target been over six yards. And that was boosted by that wheel route touchdown, remember, against Washington, yeah. the second game. And this goes to your point. There are too many times, in my opinion, that Barkley is not higher in the progression where they need to get him more vertical in the passing game. I've, I've been talking about that ever since – Coach Dable and Coach Kafka got here. I thought we would see more of that. Barkley even answered me a couple of weeks ago after the game when I mentioned that to him, and he said something that I've been telling you guys for two years. I see it in practice. I see it during training camp in July. There are so many plays that I've seen the Giants run in practice that I have not seen in the games. And it really it breaks my heart. But I also well, I, know why. Because the game plans well, are specific against the team. The protection. The quarterback has certain limitations. I get all of that. The matchups. The personnel groupings. It's just, man, what I wouldn't do to see the whole playbook just unleashed one week on somebody. What I wouldn't give for that. Well, and you know what's also interesting is Washington. It, it's funny how the yardage per target is the highest against the commanders because I would say Washington, of all the teams they've played, has the biggest question marks in the secondary just in no terms doubt. of their overall coverage. And their linebackers don't cover yeah, either. So what I'm saying is that probably the Giants said to themselves, okay, hey, we Great can matchup. send Barkley out here. Great matchup. This Let's is a do very it. attractive matchup. They may not think like that based on some of the other opponents that they've played this season. Uh, so again, you got to take that into well, consideration. That's part of it. Yeah. That's part of it. But I'm, I'm yeah, with and you. I, and sometimes I think sometimes, sometimes you just got to say, look, We've got this in our arsenal. We're going to use it. Yeah, Try to stop it. Let's, sure. let's see how it yeah. goes. I think sometimes maybe they're a little conservative in that regard. Well, and I, I hear you. I mean, I like the wheel route a lot, and, and I like the idea of air yards, you know, getting Barkley down the field. But just to be honest, you know, what I, I actually was talking about uh, a, a stat that air yards wouldn't, it would not, um, wouldn't really address. It's more like time to the release time to the throw because if he's like i said if he's if he's that first option when he splits out they don't follow him then you know he's going to get that ball within you know i don't know two seconds you know what i'm you know what i mean it's more like getting the ball going quickly before the defense rotates to him and before um i drop off i just want to say paul i agree with you that i think that our biggest problem in the run uh defensive game was linebacker play and last year was terrible. I think the second half of this year with McFadden, McFadden and O'Kara figuring it out, right. figuring out how to play together, it's gotten a heck of a lot better. I'm 100% Much, much better. Much, much better. Yeah. They've yep. also teamed up for takeaways as well, and appreciate the phone call, Mike. That's been big, too, especially if you look at several games, Miami, Buffalo, where they've had deflections and guys have been in the right place at the right time, and that was earlier in the season, too. We should point out that one of the reasons why Barkley probably doesn't get more vertical routes, to the, if the coaches were in here, they would, they would tell you,
it's not just always the matchups and the competition. It's also the fact that sometimes they actually need him to stay in and chip. Well, for pass protection. <laughs> because, sure. yeah. let's face it, Giants quarterbacks have been uh, sacked over 60 times this year. Yeah, you can't you know? send the running so back So I, I, I understand. This, this is why, folks, all of these injuries that have, that have absolutely – sabotaged this offense. You know, when Joe Shane said a couple weeks ago, you, I, I, I know you heard it, uh, Waller, Thomas, Jones, and Barkley, the Giants have had those four guys on the field together for only 40 snaps the whole season. I can't tell you how incredibly hurtful that is because those are the, those are the key guys. Those, Barkley and, sure. and, and, and Waller are your two headache players. Your left tackle is your is your anchor, and your quarterback is your quarterback. Forty stinking snaps the whole season. Those are the guys why we thought the Giants could average twenty three points a game this year, but they haven't been allowed to do it. Well, but remember the year prior we were talking about how many snaps did all the wide receivers get together on the field with the quarterback and the running back. So yeah, you know, this is another reason why you have to anticipate and Joe Shane. But, but you can this. lose those guys easier than you can lose the guys they lost this year. This is much more no, devastating. But you always need to anticipate that in an ideal world, you'd love to have all those guys on paper in reality stay on the field. It's just, it's never going to happen. It's almost like the conversation of this is going to be the year where all five offensive linemen stay healthy. It's just not going to happen. You, you can't keep banking on oh, that. Oh, man. So you have to understand there's going to be changes, there's going to be an evolution of your roster. And that's more of a reason why, just like teams are learning the hard way when they lose their quarterbacks. Oh, well, the backup quarterback position. Was it nine backups are starting this week? Yeah, but to me, it's not this year. That should be the teachable moment. You go years back, Drew Brees got hurt. Teddy Bridgewater oh, filled sure, in for him. Sure. It's happening on a yearly basis. It's just a matter of whether or not you as a team prioritize to say, we're not going to be that team that's caught off guard. We're going to have the veteran or the young guy that we're going to develop. You have to make that a priority within your salary cap. If you don't, then you're going to be in the situation like several the teams are this season. The shame of it is the Giants actually did spend money on a backup quarterback and Tyrod and Taylor. Backup and got look hurt. how that worked out. No, well, I'm not accusing the Giants of overlooking <laughs> that. They actually prioritized that. And I mean, you talk about snake too. bit, man. Sure. A yeah. freaking King Cobra came to the Meadowlands and just freaking dug his fangs into this roster. And that's unfortunately the game of football. That's why... It's not necessarily always the best team that holds the trophy at the end of the year. It's the team that stays healthy and navigates those obstacles yeah. more effectively. Let's head back to the lines. Jonathan is in Westchester with us here on BBKL. What's happening, Jonathan? Hey, how are you guys? Do Hi. Right. What's on your mind? So I'm not, and I'll never be one of those Giants fans who could root for the Giants to lose or to tank. But I do think I can offer something to all my fellow Giants fans out there who are scoreboard watching and worrying about our draft position right now. So as of today, the second-round pick that we got from Seattle in the Leonard Williams trade is a 46th overall pick. Well, and Seattle has to... Well, so you're rooting for the Seahawks to lose is what you're saying? <laughs> That's the point of this phone call? <laughs> it could still move up or down, but I get your point. Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, so Seattle has to play at San Francisco this weekend and then home against Philly. They could very well be 6-8 and eight in a few weeks. They do have an easier end to the, end to the schedule, Titans, Steelers, and Cards. But 
Sure, and they could also you know, win both yeah. of those games in fairness, Jonathan, too. I, I mean, I understand this exercise, but the, the reason why I want to stop you there is I can't tell you how many conversations we get from callers. They look at the schedule on paper. How many people thought the Eagles were going to lose multiple games, right? They played the Chiefs. They played the Bills. And the Eagles wound up winning both of those games. So this paper argument does not hold much weight at all. Here's what I will say. If you're a Giants fan and you want to keep an eye on that pick, right now you're right. That pick is at 46. Be happy if you get three in the top 50. How about that? Is that I, fair? Would I you be okay with win. that? I mean, I'm I'm loving that Williams trade. I think I and don't get me wrong, Williams is a great player for us, but to get you know a top 50 pick for him at this stage of his career, maybe we get him back next year. And then the other advantage of Seattle losing is obviously you know I know it's a long shot, but you know Seattle is currently tied for one of those last wild card spots. Maybe we we grab their wild card spot. In addition to taking their second round pick, that wouldn't that wouldn't bother me too much either. Okay. okay. Well, all of the different mathematical scenarios brought up there by Jonathan. He's not asking for too much, is he? Oh no, not at all. No, a, a little snippet he's asking for. He's asking for Seattle to lose out, the Giants to win out, yes, and every draft pick to cooperate and fall in the proper place. Remember, it's also who you take, not where you pick. Oh, wow. I think that also has you, been well documented. You know, you know what, though? It, it, it's fun to to be that way and to be overly optimistic and to be very hopeful and all that other stuff because it's a lot better than wallowing in your misery. And we've had too many calls that just want to be, you know, wallowing in their misery and, and beat down and, and just just absolutely uh, in, the, in the trenches and in the, in the dumps. So it's nice to, to, to listen to somebody who is at least looking at it from a rosy perspective once in a while. Yeah, but that's the opposite <laughs> end of the spectrum, Paul, oh, okay, he, that that last call he's, went. He's, I mean, that's saying Seattle to just completely disappear. He's and disappear. reaching for the, for the stars yeah. right there. I and get the it. moon. I get and it. And the sun. Uh, but, but and everything least, else in that's between. A, that's a fun call to get one of those every once in a while. Well, here's the thing. The Giants can't be concerned about what other teams are doing. No, no, not at all. Or lose. The bottom line is, no matter how Seattle plays out, it was a good trade regardless. Absolutely it they was. They got assets, and they were able to turn a player that had an expiring contract into something. So all in all, there's value in the move. Now you wait and see how the season plays out, but you're going to get additional picks. That's not going to disappear regardless of how Correct. Seattle season plays out. So that becomes a positive no matter what transpires in the final five or six games. I, I think if you're the Giants at this point, I continue to emphasize it. I know you agree 100%. These guys in the locker room are not consumed by draft picks. They're going out there to play football and put the best possible performance out on film because there's a lot of players that are on the roster that are not going to be here in 2024. Right. So that's why they don't get caught up in what Seattle is going to do for the Giants, what the Giants will do for themselves. No one can afford to get into that mindset. That's just, you ask any player on any team, whether they're on a team that's winning or a team that's losing, the last thing on their mind is where their team is going to select in the draft the following year. I have never heard any player come out and passionately talk about, oh, man, if we fall short in this game, that's going to give us the first overall pick, and I can only imagine who they're going to bring into the mix. Here's another reason why, Paul, these players don't care about the draft. Why would you get ultra excited about a team drafting somebody that could very well take your roster spot, right? I mean, think about it. They could take a position that you play. It boggles the mind how many people actually go along with that theory. 
Yeah. You know, because it's just so incredibly obvious that it makes absolutely no sense. But here's one thing the Giants could do. And I understand mathematically they're still alive. They play hard. They can make it very difficult for teams that are ahead of them in the standings, Paul, in terms of thinking that they have a clear path to the postseason. And it starts Monday night against Green Bay. Just like, for example, when the Lions played the Packers, okay? I'm going to give you the perfect example. Yeah. Final game of the regular season, week 18 last year. Yep. Okay? Lions go to Lambeau. As Dan Campbell's addressing his team in the locker room, they find out the Seahawks won. Right. Their playoff hopes are over. They have nothing, Paul, to play for. Correct. No one in that locker room. And guys are banged up. Some of them are scheduled to have surgeries, right, the Mm -hmm. following week. There is no incentive other than to say, oh, we're not going to make the postseason? Well, Green Bay is going to join us on the sideline. They're going to observe. They're going to watch. Well, that's exactly what what else would you expect from Dan Campbell? No, but also the players, though, in fairness. Understood. Okay, I understand. But Understood. Dan Campbell's not suiting up and going out there. As much no, as he not. wants to bite on the kneecaps of other people, Paul, he's not putting on a uniform, okay? So I think it says a lot about those Lions players. Sure. That they went out there, they played hard, they were on the road in Lambeau, and they came out victorious. So they are truly that's a reflection the of their coach. They really are. Without a doubt. But and that's know. what the persona of the Giants should be here moving forward. Okay, Green Bay's ahead oh, of us. And, and it is. Yeah. It absolutely is. I, I Look, folks, I know you're not here every day. We are. I'm telling you right now, this team, during this two-game winning streak going into the bye, really, really enjoyed the taste of victory. And trust me when I tell you, they are human beings, and they had a much better time picking up a couple of wins than going through the losses that they did earlier in the season. And if you think they want to go back to that, you're out of your mind. Because they do not. Green Bay has the seventh overall spot right now if the playoffs were to start today. Right. Now, just to show you how bunched up things are, the Rams, who the Giants are going to be playing also coming up, they're 6-6. Six and six. Seattle, who the caller referenced, is also 6-6. Six and six. And then you have Tampa Bay and New Orleans are 5-7. and seven. Green Bay, if they were to lose this game, just going down a hypothetical road, and let's say everybody else behind them won, Green Bay, in the span of one week, can go from 7 to 10th in the blink of an eye. That's why you should have the mindset, we're not going to make it easy on any of the teams ahead of us. Do I need to remind you that the end of the Jets game was very much disputed? And that the Giants actually should be five and seven right now, and a win this week would put them right in the mix. Well, I don't even want to think about that's that. That's the anymore. coulda, woulda, shoulda argument. Nah, well, yes. that's it's the a, reality of no, it. But well, anyway, but a lot of teams are having that conversation, Paul. Unfortunately, unfortunately, and that's the shame of it. I mean, don't you think? In fairness, don't you think the Arizona Cardinals, whether or not they realistically have a playoff, they're saying to themselves, "We should have beaten the Giants, and we should be." Four and nine well, right I'm now? I'm not talking about plays that happened in the game. I'm talking about things that were flat out mis misruled, if you will. So the questionable officiating is what you're bringing into play. Um, you use those terms. I didn't. Well, listen. I mean, that's what you're alluding to. You might as well state the obvious on this program, Paul. There's no one, hiding one, it. One you, don't game, dis- one, you don't have to deceive it like a Spags defense. One, okay? one, one game. One game. 
right now with this team. One game makes that much of a difference between their percentage of still being alive. Oh, absolutely. Or yeah. well, basically sucking wind. And that's that's my point about how that's how that's up. how and that's yeah. how this that's how aggravating and annoying it becomes when you know things are not adjudicated correctly. And that is life in the NFL, where I know. I'm talking about Paul. You can go over to the span of one game. You can go from the 11th spot in the NFC to maybe being a wild card holder. Yep. That's how crazy things are. And then if you look at the AFC, teams are having the same conversations right now. Let's see. The Texans at 7-5 and five or the 7th spot. Pittsburgh, that lost last night, just fell out at 7-6. and six. And Denver and Cincinnati and Buffalo are all 6-6. Six and six. So depending on how they play out this weekend, I mean, they win. They could move up immensely. It's so bunched up between 7 and 11 and 12 with respect to the AFC and the NFC. And it's no different this year, I would argue, than previous years. But it just goes to show you, a lot of teams are having those conversations. One game earlier in the year in week three, if we flip the script, our fate could very well be different in terms of our outlook later on this season. It's why when you're dealing with the quicksand of mediocrity that we're dealing with in the National Football League these days, um, you know, injuries and officiating has a bigger impact on wins and losses than it did 20 years ago. That's just the way it is. That That's just a fact. And it's a shame. You know, look at the 33rd team article today that was written. Um, I want to say, uh, what's his name, wrote the article today. And he talks specifically about stuff that I've been telling you folks about for years, about the quality of play in the National Football League. And he, the only thing he doesn't cite is the salary cap and free agency. But he lists all the other things that I've told you guys about for a very, very long time, about how this league needs to enhance its quality because it's, it's, it's taken a hit. And with that, we will end the conversation Jason and wrap Cole. up. Jason Cole, I believe Jason is his Cole. name. Okay, yeah, yeah. who is long with time, also Yahoo Sports. Yeah. Long-time NFL writer. Great job today, Jason, on the 3013. Well, look at this. What a fan you must be all of a sudden. I didn't know well, the guy's, that. Well, the guy's singing the song I've been I've been singing for years. Are you sure that you weren't I love a, it. anonymous source in that No, article? no, yeah, no. Well, okay, fair enough. All right, well, that is going to do it for Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff. I will be up and running again on Monday, continuing to set the stage for Monday Night Football between the Giants and the Packers in today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadows. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest, and we'll speak to you on Monday right here on BBKL. Have a good one. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.